All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 246. It's officially the dog days of summer, but we have a lot of stuff to cover. The pro-ams are going off in every state. LeBron and Draymond are having a bronmance. We lost one of the GOATs. Actually, we lost two of the GOATs this week. We're going to talk about Bill Russell and Vince Scully. And we also have a fun draft idea that we want you guys to participate into. You're going to love it. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true players podcast, episode 246. We have been on a hiatus. We've been on vacation. We're allowed to take vacations, Drew. It's off-season. It's off-season. We get off-season, too. Right. And it's like, if anything, this is the dog days of basketball summer. There is literally <laughs> nothing going on. The trade talks, Kyrie and KD, nothing. Nothing about Russell Westbrook. The only thing going on is Jimmy Butler's new hairdo. And, um, you know, it's funny because I guess maybe if this was season one or season two, the follow through with Clips and Drew, we might bite on like what the media likes to do every time this year where it's like, well, would the 2017 uh, Golden State Warriors beat a 1996 no. Chicago Bulls team in a seven game series like and then then they bring up once again like who's the goat right and then it, that's all they do today yep. on Sports Center not on Sports Center on Max Max Kellerman's show on ESPN Max was rating the days of the week he's like all right this would be fun let's rate the days of the week I'll start <laughs> Saturday is a one and I'm like bro are we really <laughs> Are we really change doing- the channel, bro? <laughs> change it quick, okay? Change and that channel. Even when you I go guess, on, you know what is interesting though. Clips. Would you rank Sunday or Friday number two? My whole life is a vacation. None of the days are. <laughs> every day is the same. <laughs> a Friday and a Monday are all the same to me. Sunday, it's all the freaking same. I um, think I would rank Sunday too because it's a full day off. And then it, Friday is a great one at, at number three. And you get football. But there you go. There, you don't have to watch Kellerman's show now. We just did it for you. No, that, I don't know if he was joking, but I did turn the channel right right away. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> like, I get it. You have to come up with some things to talk about. And yes, a couple years ago, me and you might have bit, and we might go through that whole stupid yeah. uh, conversation about it. I don't want to do it. There are some things going on in basketball right now. And since we're talking about goats, you know, let's talk about one of the goats that passed away this week at 88 years old in his sleep. Bill Russell, um, probably the greatest team champion to ever play team sports, probably the, the best NBA champion uh, of all time, probably had the greatest NBA career out of any mm. player ever to play NBA basketball. I mean, if you we're infatuated with stats and with chips nowadays that like, OK, let's go back to the basics, man. Bill Russell, 11 chips in 13 years <laughs> two two as a player coach, two rings as a player, African-American coach, the first African-American coach to win a championship. Everybody wants to talk about Michael's six, six chips. Bill had eight in a row, eight in a row, Drew, 12 all stars. Five yep. MVPs. Kerry Jackie, he was a pallbearer at Jackie, Jackie Robinson's funeral, marched with Martin Luther King. 
This guy it was a mentor to, to our favorite athletes, Kobe and Mike and Shaq and KG and all these guys. Um, it was a very sad day. And it's hard to talk about a player, Drew, that we never got to see play. Right. Like I never got to see Bill Russell play. But being a student of the game and a historian, I've read the books. I've seen the highlights. One of my favorite books is Red in Me. And it's a it's an awesome book from a man. Bill Russell notoriously did not like the media, did not like fans. Um, he was a man of very, very few words. So to read a book that is it was written by him, you get a really good interpretation of the man and, and the great man that he was. Um, it's a phenomenal book. If you haven't read it, uh, Red and Me, it's about him and Red Auerbach's uh, relationship and just him basketball wise. And Bill Russell was also like everybody wants to talk about Mamba mentality and the, like the way Michael was with his approach to the game. Like, oh, these guys are cut from a different cloth. Bill Russell was the one who made that cloth to be cut from. He was um, the first player, like the only player in his time that he that matched with him that was his opponent was Wilt right and he did the ultimate thing and like befriended Wilt and like let him sleep on his couch and vice versa <laughs> and he only did that so he can learn all of all of Wilt's weaknesses and how he, he could um, you know manipulate the situations play him better there's a story of Bill Russell his first day as a rookie in in Boston uh, he scouted all of his players, like scouted, was watching every one of his players. And it wasn't like Michael or like Kobe would do to find out their flaws and figure out how that he could <laughs> torch him. Bill Russell was looking at how I can make them better, right? How can I as a player uh, make this certain player better? Uh, he was always about team in any interview you hear him talk about. He's never talking about me. I uh Never. It's always about the team. It's not him saying, you know, who the fuck I am. I'm Kevin Durant. It's not him saying, <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I'm the goat. It was never that. So yeah. anyways, uh, it's a it's a big time loss. And you know what, Drew? Some of the numbers are wild, right? So his yeah. career, his career numbers are 15, 22 and four assists, right? The 15 doesn't stick out a lot, right? It doesn't. The four, the four assists do. Uh, his playoff numbers are six. The 22 rebounds do. 22.5 rebounds a game for his career average. That's insanity. Playoffs numbers were 16, 25, and five assists again. He holds the record for rebounds and a half, 32. In the finals, he got 40. Okay? Yeah. In, in, in uh, rebounds a game in the finals, which he played, uh, you know, a, a nine of them. He averaged 30 rebounds a game in the finals as a player. He's 10 and 0 in game sevens. I mean, come on. If we're, if we want to be obsessed with the numbers, Drew, not to mention two NCAA titles and a gold medal. So what, I mean, what are we talking about here? Mr. Russell, we need to retire the six Jersey. I love that idea. I think that was an interesting idea that was proposed. I, I don't know where that came from. Magic. Specifically. Was it magic? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, I like it less because Magic brought it up, but I, I do like the idea. Number six is is a not a jersey number widely used. I think only uh, the only one that pops in my head is Kyle Lowry that has it. Wasn't LeBron um, six? Is he six right now? <laughs> <laughs> he he changed his number again. I, I, 
No, I think. Hold on, let me check. Is LeBron six right now? I, no, I yeah, they were team three hundred and sixty, weren't they? Wasn't that what they coined? Yeah, themselves? he's number. LeBron is number six right now. <laughs> okay, so that's a good one. It, it, he can change back. He, he's he can do whatever he wants. He can go back to twenty three if he wants. But my guess is uh, that is something that Adam Silver will really strongly consider, just the way that they did in baseball for Jackie Robinson, the forty two. Um, and I think they waited for Mariano Rivera to retire before they actually mandated that across the league because he was wearing 42 for the Yankees for so long. So maybe they'd lose something like that. Like maybe once LeBron retires, if he chooses to wear six for the remainder remaining years of his career, maybe once LeBron goes, all right, it's time to hang it up. Maybe the NBA will go, okay, cool. Six is retired for everybody. And certainly I do think that at the very least, uh, number six, uh, Bill Russell Jersey should be hung up in, in every arena. Uh, if it's not retired by, you know, the entirety of the league. Um, and uh, something you, that you touched on, I think, is, is, is really, really important when we remember Bill Russell. And it's the idea of who is the greatest player of all time. Because to me, you know, those people that always use Michael Jordan's championship rings as the reason that they decide that he's the number one player, then you have to have to weigh Bill Russell at least on the same level as him because he has so many rings. I mean, like it's, you know, that, that particular argument to me is I think pretty important because you, you can't, I understand that there was fewer teams and the game was a lot different. And, you know, part of the reason why he averaged so many rebounds is because there were so many damn missed shots <laughs> during those times. And they were just firing them up there. They actually NBA TV replayed, I think it was game six of the 1963 finals between the Lakers and Celtics yesterday. And I got to watch some of that, which was really cool. But you can see why he was averaging so many freaking rebounds. It's just like, oh, they're just, they're coming down and they're Jack Jerry West just pulling. Uh, we had uh, we had a bunch of guys on, on both sides that were just bricking shots. Um, and there was Bill Russell ready to gobble them up. Um, and something also that I noticed clips, I don't know. It's, it's strange. I've seen a lot of these games from that era, and this is maybe the first time I've noticed it. They, they only had free throws for fouls. They didn't really have like side out of bounds fouls unless it was an offensive foul, which happened one in one instance in the first quarter where I was watching one of those. I think it was Kuzi got called for an offensive foul because he kind of went up into the face of one of the Lakers players. They called an offensive foul and the ball went out to the side. But every other time, including Jerry West or Elgin Baylor, even if they were just dribbling in half court and they got fouled, they immediately went to the free throw line. So that's another reason why Bill Russell probably got a lot more rebounds. They're just jacking free throws too. Every time, every time someone's going to get fouled, they're just shooting free throws. So anyway, I do think certainly with Bill Russell, it's, it's very much a changing of the guard. You know, uh, there's very, very few players, certainly none of his stature and, and, um, his magnitude that are still really around. I mean, he still has, I think Koozie's still around, popping around here from, from time to time. I can see him. I think he's still hanging in there. Um, and I think Havlicek too. But really, Bill Russell was so much larger than those two guys in the way that he was such an ambassador to the NBA, way more than any of those teammates that he had. And really still like kind of remains so much, uh, almost a face of the NBA, throughout his several years of being um, done with the game, right? And to the point now where we have the finals MVP 
is the Bill Russell MVP award. Isn't that, isn't that right? Didn't they, yes. didn't they change the name to, yes. to Bill Russell yeah. award, yep. which is fantastic. Um, I, I think now I'm like, I'm very curious who, if anybody will fill that role as, as you know, like the, the OG, like the, the, the super OG. OG who, yeah. He, he knows everything, knows everybody. Well, Kobe was game. Kobe was going to be the mentor. Kobe was, was going I, to I be do that think, guy. I think that might've been stolen away from the NBA. Cause I do think Kobe was kind of headed down that path. Well, it um, took, and it, you know, it took Bill Russell a long time to want to come back to the NBA. He was, he was, yeah. As soon as he was done with Boston, he was out of Boston. He moved to uh, Washington Mercer. by the lake. Mercer and, Island. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't like Boston. He didn't like the fans. I mean, imagine the reason why he's so respected is not just the basketball and what he brought to the game and how he played the game, which was yeah. team. I mean, it's a team sport, right? And he, uh, Doc Rivers said a quote that Bill Russell told him was, was something around the lines of like, if I'm the best player on my team – and I'm not making anybody else on the team better than I'm a loser or basically like I'm worthless. Like, what am I supposed to do? Um, I think the difficulty, the amount of respect that these athletes have today for Bill is because of what he had to go through and a lot of other NBA players. He wasn't the only one, but to be winning championships in front of 20,000 people in your hometown that you've been playing for and then, then to be mocked and called names and not allowed to eat at the restaurants the same night, that's got to fill you with a lot of rage. And, and he was even talking about like his prep for the game. A lot of players have different kinds of way they get up for the games. He said that he went into full on rage mode before every game, full on rage. He would work himself up into this, this manifestation of just anger and, um, and go out and, and, and play and win. And I think that was really difficult for him. And I think once he came back, he, he had an interesting story about Kobe. Like Kobe was the only one after he read one of his books. It wasn't read in me. It was another one of the books he read. Kobe was very curious about his. This is when Kobe made the change from being that cut from that Michael cloth of I need to be alpha, 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 the best. I got to kick ass, be an asshole. And then he read uh, uh, Bill's book. And it was a whole other approach. And that's when Kobe, he asked Bill about, like, how do I become like that? And that's when Kobe started to transition, started to be more uh, warm, more open. My door is open. Let's talk. I'm not out here to kill you. How can I make you better, us better? <clears throat> Bill, Bill Russell was also the guy that mended Kobe and Shaq. He's the one that brought them both together to get them to heal from their, from their uh, disagreements and, and, and how they, they viewed each other in the game. So... I don't know, man. I think we lost definitely like you just said, I don't know who's going to be the next guy, but I just really hope that these players today and, and moving forward, even how we teach our kids one day, or you teach your kids one day that this is how you want to play basketball. And I think the MJ talk and the LeBron talk is kind of like why, why they're highly considered the goats is because you always want to consider, could they play in every era? And they could, right? Like you put MJ, or Kobe or, or LeBron in any era and they're killing, right? The difference Mm. being that like Bill was six, nine, six, 10 was not offensively great with a shot or anything like that. Um, If you put him in today's game, I'm not, so I'm not, he's not going to be Bill Russell. You know what I mean? And not to mention what, what we didn't even talk about was 
he revolutionized how defense was played, right? Like he was taught growing up that defense by every coach he had. And he hated coaches until he got to red because he never liked being told what to do, especially by <laughs> an older white guy, which I would completely understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were taught to play defense flat footed. Right. And it was like one night he, he switched it up and he said, you know what, I'm just going to try to block everything. Right. And that's, he changed the way defense was played. That's why he blocked everything. They didn't start keeping stats about blocks until 73 when he was long. Right. And there, I mean, they, they interviewed referees, they interviewed coaches. They're like, look, there were nights where, where, where Russell and Chamberlain both had 17, 20 blocks at least yep. averaged eight a night. Right. And we're talking, he would block in that game you were watching. I think I, I watched this highlights of the same one and he's blocking Jerry West jump shots and yep. everything. He had five um, blocks in the first five minutes of the game. See, see, Revolu and he said the different and the difference between Bill and Wilt was not only you know the nine more championships and all the accolades. It was like playing defense. Will wanted to to Sean Kemp it and send it to the to the tenth row. Will uh, Bill wanted to keep it in play and get the outlet pass and score yeah. on the other end. So yeah. his his thought process of the game was always never me. It was always about how to how to make everybody around me better I, I i know there was a story about him and koozie where they worked on it for a year bill's like i want you to find your spot on the court where you want where you want to be on a rebound and i and, and we let's work on it all year so we get this down pat so it came like turnkey second like uh like fast twitch muscle when he gets a rebound turn around boom i'm outletting it to koozie it was in the it was on the right half court lane so he can get the the fast break going that's what you want to do with these players right and um i just i just wish more players would have that approach we all wish that right but now yeah. that the money's gotten crazy and stats are so important and like ah if i don't make the all nba team uh, i'm not going to get my my 8 million dollar bonus uh, it's just a sad day. We lost, we definitely lost an OG, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say this, man, you know, as sad as it is that he's gone, uh, 88 is that's a full life, man. And he got to see a lot of things change. Right. Uh, and some for the better, some maybe not so much. But I do know what a what a life he led. I mean, I, you know, definitely, definitely a lot of trials and tribulations that he mm -hmm. went through, especially as a young man. <clears throat> but then to to have the the reach that he had and the breath that he had um, to to you know be awarded the presidential medal of freedom I think by Barack Obama I that that must have been such an amazing moment for him to kind of really full circle where you know in those early days he wasn't even allowed to eat at restaurants with white people and now we have you know an African American president which is phenomenal so I just think you know, while it's always sad, 88 years old, if I can live to be 88, bro, I'll be, I'll be very, very happy with that. And I can only hope that it's a fraction of, uh, of the life that Bill, Bill Russell led. So definitely RIP to, to a massive, massive legend. One of the, one of the greats for sure. One of the best people. Can we agree on probably the best NBA career ever, right? Out of anybody that's played the game. I don't see how you could argue against that. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the argument always is like, well, there was only so many teams and there was only so many players and there was only like four or five people that were even as tall as him in the league. And I get all of that, but it's not his problem. He no. played against the people that were the best people in the world at that time. And that's certainly what the NBA was. Even then it was the collection of the best basketball players on earth. Uh, it just, you know, the caliber is a little different now because 
you know, things change, you know, as, as we go along and the game becomes more popular and becomes more diverse. Um, but there's no real argument for anybody's career being better mm-hmm. across all of team sports, right? Like you said, like Tom Brady's really the closest one, I think, you know, actually, when we, when we consider- I, I looked it up and he does share the same amount of titles as a hockey player. There's a hockey player. And I wish I wrote his name down. But I've never heard of this guy ever, and, I, and if okay. I haven't heard if I haven't heard of him, then he's obviously maybe he was like Robert Ory and just on the right teams at the right time <laughs> to win all the chips. You know what I yeah. mean? But yeah, that's a good uh, Robert Ory's up there. I, I but I do think for sure when you're talking about an individual, especially an individual with one franchise, it doesn't it does not. There's no eclipsing what what he accomplished with the Celtics. And, and I think you have to consider when we look at Tom Brady, the fact that he had to move, he moved and still won is amazing. And, and I think football is a whole nother thing, but uh, certainly we can talk. Bill Russell was so good and had such a good career. We can talk about him next to those um, individual sport athletes, like the Roger Federer's Mm -hmm. and the, you know, Tiger Woods is Tiger Woods is of the world. Like that's where he, he was so good and so efficient and so unbelievable at winning that he actually creeps into that that uh, portion of sports, not just team sports, uh, which is unreal. Yeah, I think, again, if you guys have an opportunity, especially this summer when there's nothing going on, order Red and Me from Amazon. The story's great. Even it's more of a story about Red than it is about Bill and just the the relationship that they had and how much understanding they both because it was a, it was a time where like you know our back was jewish right he came from a really w- wild background in new york right and then like you have russ uh, uh, well you have russell and them coming together and understanding each other um and turning that relationship into winning championships like he's the russell was allowed to sit in the stands during practice and drink tea there was a point where they're like, you don't, you don't need to practice. We'd rather have you, <laughs> right? Allen Iverson would have loved Red Auerbach, right? <laughs> would have absolutely loved him. But, you know, Bill Russell would sit in the stands most of the time and drink tea while everybody else practiced because he, he knew his job and whatnot. But right. pick up the book, read it. It might give you a definitely different perspective on Bill Russell. It definitely helped me out a lot. Um, I think we have to, although obviously we're an NBA podcast, most of our listeners are from Southern California, from Cali. And we lost another one yesterday in Vince Scully. And this one hit hard for me too, uh, because not only did I grow up at Dodger Stadium and have season tickets and, you know, listen to Vin my whole life, it's, it's, there's something about how, first of all, how lucky are we to have uh, Chick, Vin, and Ralph, like in our yeah. lives, our whole lives. Yep. You know what I mean? Like uh, for a majority of our lives, being able to listen um, to these great people at their craft, especially we're in podcasting and whatnot, but broadcasting is so different and your preparation and your knowledge has to be so great. And just hearing Vin Scully's voice, it's kind of like hearing a, a song that, that takes you back to thinking about a girlfriend or a song uh, that makes you think about a certain time in your life. Vince Scully's voice takes me to like the best time of my life, which was being a kid, right? And mm. baseball and like everything mattered then as far as sports go. Everything, I mean, it matters to me now, which is right. sad to say at, at the age I'm at, but 
it's there's just something special about Vince Scully, and he's probably like everybody. Everybody in Southern California has heard his voice and yep. have some kind of relationship with Vin, whether you love the Dodgers or not. I mean, Vin Scully called so many games for, uh, you know, for the World Series and for, you know, I remember where I was when Kirk Gibson hit the home run. Deep fly ball, a fly ball in a deep right field. She yep. is gone. I remember this like it yes. was yesterday. So we lost a good one, man. And I don't know, like they still haven't filled Chick's shoes yet. Right. No, they still have not, not filled Ralph's shoes yet, even though I think Brian Seaman's getting better, but he's no Ralph Lawler. There is absolutely not one person on this planet that will fill Vin Scully's shoes. Yeah. And it's I mean, the, the nice part about Vin is that we got to give him like the farewell. Right. Like he retired, whatever, like six years ago in, a, in great fashion. Right. And I think the same could be said about Chick. And the same could be said about Ralph Lawler. We all got to give them their farewells as they said goodbye to the thing that they did for so long and entertained so many of us along the way. Uh, but none are more far reaching in a broadcast sense than Vin Scully, because he did not just the Dodgers games, which we were the ones that were the lucky ones because we got him every game. We got we got Vin every game. It's everybody else that tapped in every so often when they would play the Dodgers and then the occasional World Series, which I think he did 25 mm. World Series. He also uh, did football. He, he did football announcing broadcasting. He did. Uh, you know, I, I saw clips of him on golf. He was doing golf broadcasting and with with a voice as silky smooth. As Vin Scully's was, the cadence was there. It's just, it, 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 I think nostalgia is a great way to put it, mm. but it almost like it would, it could put me to sleep. If you put Vin Scully's mm. voice just talking randomly of a, a game from the 1987, you know, season, I could easily fall asleep to that. It's, it's, it's almost meditative uh, listening to him speak. Um, but certainly, bro, without a doubt, being a Southern California resident, you there was there there's an immediate recognition of his voice as soon as you hear it ever it doesn't matter where you are in a car watching on tv in a bar watching you know just hanging out with your friends the dodgers are on if you hear vin scully's voice you know immediately it's vin scully and you know immediately the dodgers must be playing somebody <laughs> the dodgers must be on um and you're right, dude. I mean, as far as the fact that we're, we're definitely a basketball focused podcast, NBA focused, and I was not really a huge baseball fan, but I was always a fan of Vince Scully and I, and I am a Dodger fan, right? Like that's, that's one thing I'm not a, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to pay attention to the entirety of the MLB 162 game grueling schedule, but certainly growing up. Uh, and, and really all the way up until he retired outside of my college years, which I really, I desperately missed hearing Vin Scully when I was in Arizona. Um, he was a part of my life just as much as any other media member and, and probably the most valued outside of Chick Hearn for me. I love Chick Hearn, of course, right? That's the Lakers broadcaster, uh, who I don't think will ever replace him. I mean, eventually someone will get good, uh, but we certainly haven't had even one like 10th of what chick was given us. Uh, and obviously, you know, the Dodgers, uh, I, I don't even know the name of the guy that took over from Vin. I'm sure he's doing fine, but you know, it's, it's a really tough thing for, for those guys. I mean, 67 years is what Vin Scully oh, did. Homie, think, think about being that's insanity, dude. Think about being in the booth up there yeah. being 80 years old and knowing everything about 
baseball and these players on every one of these teams. The preparation has got to be so difficult. And yeah. we know we know how hard it is just to put on a show, just put on a freaking podcast. <laughs> can you can you imagine like having to do that? But 67 years doing anything and probably yeah. the most respected broadcaster amongst every single person that's ever broadcasted a game. If you went to broadcasting school, you probably there's probably a Vince Scully, you know, chapter in the book. If it's not the there whole should book. be. Yeah, there should be. <laughs> but it just I, I just had a moment last night, man, where, you know, sometimes we get caught up in our. On a, in our everyday grind with work and bills and just life and gas prices and politics and all this shit. And just for a few minutes last night, I got the chill saying it. I just I got to go back to this really awesome place that I was able to go to big taking my glove to my to the game with my pops, yeah. you know, seeing Eric Carroll's play his first game and Mike Piazza saw Judeo Nomo throw a no hitter. I remember remember Kurt Gibson's home run. It was just, and then again, that's when baseball was just like everything. Um, and we didn't have the internet and we weren't overflowed with just media all the time. Like the Dodger games on and it's on and that's what I'm watching. So um, it just put things in perspective last night that we all got to kind of take a step back and think about the, the, the really good things we have in our life. And, and um, we're going to, he's definitely going to be missed, man. We've, we've lost too many good broadcasters. In the, especially in LA in the past, you know, decade. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, I mean, with Vince Scully going and John Madden passing earlier this year, those are two of the people that, that, that really raised the nation. How like on, on being knowledgeable about the sport, mm -hmm. like Vince Scully helped me understand baseball. Mm -hmm. Not only did he, you know, talk about the game, but through watching him and listening to him, I was learning about the sport. And obviously John Madden did that for the entire nation when it comes to the NFL as well. Uh, but it is sad, man, seeing these guys, you know, seeing these guys pass. But again, 94, I think he was uh, Vince Scully. That's a great that's a great life, man. Yeah. And I can't imagine him wanting to do too many things differently. Uh, what a historic career and, and just an awesome, awesome person. I'm, so, I'm, yeah, I'm, very sad. I got emotional. I was watching it, watching some stuff yesterday. I got I got pretty choked up going through the Vin Scully stuff. And it's weird because I never met the guy, but he, it, it felt like uncle Vin, you know, for real, like it felt like he was a part of the family and, and that's just the way it is. Well, dude, if there's also something when you grow up in a baseball family and your dad listened to Vin Scully growing up too, like yes. that's just something yes. that you share, you know, and it, it, there's a bond there and baseball is, you know, you know, apple pie and every, all that American stuff. And, um, it's just, it's sad, man. It's sad, but we're just going to keep, again, we're just going to move on. Bill, Bill Russell's dead and Vince Scully's dead and the media cycle is going to be something different uh, tomorrow. Yeah. And, but he, yeah. you're, there's going to be a long lasting effect um, of, of this one. This one hurt LA, man. So shout yeah, out to all the Dodger, Dodger fans that listen to us and whatnot. We had to show, show Vince some love. Let's take a trip around the NBA, Drew. We have some things going on. I wanted to bring up a couple topics First thing I want to bring up is, have you seen Bryce James, bro? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell happened to this kid? I just saw him doing a TikTok video like um, two months ago with his brother, and he looked like he was five foot five. And now the kid is three inches taller than, than Brawny, damn near as tall as his pops. Talk about getting old. You think Vince Scully makes me feel old? How about yeah. LeBron James doing workouts with his two boys, just dunking all over the place yesterday? And, yeah, and everyone's dunking. All three of them are. All three of them are banging out. 
What is happening, bro? I mean, we know I that he, we, we know he has LeBron James genes. We know this. Yes. It's not like we didn't think we thought Bryce. No, was it's not be shocking. No, it's it kind of is, though. It's, like we, it, how fast it happened is shocking, dude. but it's not shocking that LeBron's kid would be six, seven or six, eight when it all is done. You ever seen the movie Big with Tom Hanks? Of course. The morning he wakes up out of his bunk bed and he just hits the floor and he's got size 13 feet and whatnot. And he's like, I'm like, dude, that's what I feel like would happen with Bryce. <laughs> yeah. Bryce, Bryce went to bed saying good night, dad. And then he woke up was like, Hey pops. And he's like, what's up motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but even, even seeing that yesterday with them working out with, I think they were with Phil Handy. Uh, yeah. This is another thing. LeBron doesn't want to work out with any of his teammates, but he will work out with his kids, right? Well, Clips, we don't have very many teammates at the moment, by the way. Like, LeBron, there's like three guys on the team. So, uh, yeah, I, there's not too many guys for him to go work out with. <laughs> okay, but, okay, let's back. This, this is going to turn into a small Laker talk then. This is so funny because this happened last year, too, when, when, when Russ... Uh, when Russ came to the team and remember they had like, it was a powwow at LeBron's house. They're like, Oh yeah, we're all going to do everything that we need to do to bring a chip to Los Angeles, blah, blah, blah. Then it comes out like two weeks ago that they got on a phone call and they said that they're willing, they're, they're going to, you know, what, whatever the conversation was yeah, about they're, how they're going to, they're going to do it. They're going to figure out a way to, to get make this it work done together as a unit, as a right. unit, they're going to move forward and we're going to be successful. So my question is this. I'm like, A, why aren't you on FaceTime together, right? Why is it a phone call? Nobody makes, like, legit uh, meeting phone calls anymore. LeBron's almost 40, bro. I, well, I guess that's phone true. Calls. I guess that's true. I heard he's real cheap, too. Like, when there's no Wi-Fi, like, he won't even – I heard the first question he asks anywhere he goes is, like, what's the Wi-Fi? Um, the other thing is – that movie? Do you remember that movie Trainwreck? So, no, yeah, sorry. A little aside. Mm -hmm. He plays himself in the movie Trainwreck, and he – he leaves the, the doctor's office, comes back, asks for parking validation. <laughs> visited, it, 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 I, I think there's some truth in, in that character for LeBron. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I honestly think that was probably the best thing that LeBron did to get people to like him. At least, it definitely worked on me. His character, the way that he played that role in Trainwreck, and for those that haven't uh, been able to check it out, definitely check it out. It's hilarious. You've told me uh, to watch it. it I'm surprised I haven't. To, it speaks to his frugality. What did you say? I said, you've, you've told me to watch it. I'm surprised I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's, uh, dude, it's great. Amari Stoudemire is in it. It's it, it, Bill Hader is a, is an NBA or is a sports doctor. That's mm -hmm. essentially what it is. So there's a lot of fun moments in that, in that movie. Well, my whole point to this is like, okay, why you all live in Los Angeles? Why aren't you having a meeting together? Right? Like as a group, right? Why aren't you working out together? The problem was chemistry the whole time. Why aren't yeah. you working on chemistry now? I'm not, now I'm going to throw a little plug. My, my Clippers have been playing together all summer. They're, they're playing together right now. Everybody's at PG's camp and everybody there were run five. Have you seen Kawhi meaty Kawhi? Oh my post, God. Dude, talk about hitting the weight room, right? Hey, y'all yeah. are in trouble, man. NBA is in trouble this year. The claw is coming back. Yeah. He, I, I would say he, he might, he might brick a few shots if he's going to stay this bulked up. Uh, by the time the season rolls around, might have to might have to slim down just a bit, get that touch back. Uh, but certainly he'll be going stronger than the rack. Well, he just started five on fives. So maybe it's that, yeah. it's that cardio that's been lacking. But homie's planning on bully ball right now. But no anyway, back, back to the <laughs> Lakers, though, right quick. It's like 
yo, you guys should be working out together. That's what you should be doing. If you want to show the Laker fans anything after coming off of that season, show me working, you guys working out together. And I, you are correct. You don't have many players, right? <laughs> you don't. No. <laughs> but like, wh- where's Kendrick Nunn? Do you not want to get in any runs? I did see, you know who Russell was playing with yesterday? Paul George in pickup yep. games. Like there was Paul George pickup games. And then that whole thing that happened in Vegas where, where Russ was on one side, LeBron was on the other side. They don't even talk to each other. It looks like it's going to be a, a shit show once again, if they don't really figure this shit out, Drew. Yeah. And I just, I think it's funny though. Like, I guess we're going to get into this, but like having a phone call being like, guys, we can do this <laughs> means jack shit. When they're playing X's and O's on the court, like, yes, you can be like, oh, we got this. We're going to we can do it. Nah, none of that shit fucking matters. <laughs> you can talk all you want. Mm-hmm. It has to be on the court. That's where that's where they have to connect. And I understand you got to start somewhere. Right. So maybe there's a full disconnect. And maybe that phone call is the first step of the process of getting these guys actually lined up. And maybe there was some in-depth X's and O's conversation during the phone call that we didn't that we weren't privy to. Uh, I, I fucking hope there was because just being like, okay, guys, we got this. Like, we'll do it. We can do this. Like, that shit is not going to fly because that's what happened last year. Everyone was like, yes, we can do this. We're going to do it. Team we 360. It. And then, it, yeah. And it's like, that was all fine. Every All all good vibes, right? And then, you know, you start, you start seeing what happens on the court and you got people, you know, the people getting injured and Anthony Davis was terrible and Russ was terrible. His most missed layups in the last 10 seasons of the NBA. Russell Westbrook is number one. Uh, so, and that didn't change last year and it's probably not going to change next year, but I do hope that uh, I hope that there was at least some, some sort of conversation with Darvin ham as well about like how we can do this, not just, we can do this. <laughs> well, the athletic keeps reporting. Like they get, I get updates every day on like what's going on with Darvin and what's going on with the Lakers. And he's progressively, moving towards like being okay to bench Russ in the fourth. And I think the whole thing is making, uh, making Russ accept the fact that if it's not working, he needs to come off the bench and how valuable he could be coming off of the bench. If he could just Mm. let it be, man, just let it be, let him be coached. And if any, everything we just talked about for 45 minutes about Bill Russell, sacrificing everything for the team, what is it going to take to win? You, I, I'm pretty sure Bill Russell probably could have scored 30 points a night. He could have done Wilt Chamberlain numbers if he wanted, right? And what does that get you? It gets you two championships for, for Wilt Chamberlain. Those astonishing, out-of-this-world, crazy-ass numbers. But no, yeah. you choose to do what's going to make best for the team. So if Russ being uh, coming off the bench, being the sixth man, is the best thing for the team, it should be like, all right, cool, I'm down for that. Let it be. But I'm not sure Russ is like the other Russ. No, he's absolutely not. I mean, and, and who knows, maybe, maybe at some point this year, he'll have to take the actual pill that Frank Vogel tried to give him last year. Right. Vogel tried this and he benched him. I think what a handful of times in the fourth, maybe, especially at the back end of the year when Vogel was like, I know this shit ain't flying. I'm out of here. So he's like, fuck this Russ. I'm sitting your ass down. You just airballed four in a row. And you banked one off the side of the backboard. Uh, we're going to go with Austin Reeves <laughs> in the fourth, right? And so I do think with Frank Vogel not having been an NBA player, I know NBA guys don't always love getting direction from, you know, guys that are X's and O kind of coaches, right? They, you know, they want a guy that played. They want a guy that understands 
what they're going through and what they've been through. And so maybe with Darvin Ham, if that comes to it, maybe Russell respected a little bit more because it's coming from a veteran of the NBA and a long, long time assistant coach who knows his shit and knows what he's doing. Uh, and I even think they played against each other. I think I think Darvin was still in the league mm-hmm. when Russ was coming out. Uh, so I do think maybe uh, sometimes the message isn't necessarily the most important thing or the, or the thing that gets through the most. It's who's saying it. And yeah. I think sometimes that that applies to to NBA players in particular when it comes to coaching. So, you know, if Phil Handy and Darvin Ham and the rest of the coaching staff and Rob Palinka and Jeannie Buss are all like, Russ, we need you to sit on the bench. Maybe he'll take that <laughs> and I think maybe Phil- he'll move. I think I think Phil Handy got another job, dude. I think he's in Sacramento now. I think he took another role. Uh, Is that right? Not, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. To stay on to stay on the Laker thing though with Braun, I want to bring up another topic that has just been kind of weird. Like, what is going on with the Braun Draymond bromance or Braunmance? Let's call it the Braunmance. That <laughs> that sounds way better. Does this seem weird to you? I had to hit up our boy Jeff Crompton. First of all, let's talk about the Draymond extension that he wants. Yeah. And then let's talk about like, I, I guess I, like I'm perfectly fine. It's people are friends with other teams, players on other teams. It's been going on for a very long time. Maybe it's because it's Braun and Draymond and the history that they've had. That seems a little weird. And then Draymond wanting an extension, thinking he deserves an extension and then coming out and saying stuff like this, LeBron's the type of guy you play for free with. You feel me? We're living with the greatest athlete of all time. That's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. One day when my great-grandkids are watching my highlights, they're going to see their great-grandfather playing with the greatest athlete to ever touch this earth. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you sound like you are already don't want to be with Golden State anymore. Right. And you just want to go play with LeBron um, because they won't give you the max extension. I completely understand Draymond's value to the Golden State Warriors. He is very valuable asset very valuable player to their system and to that city community the whole franchise he is a pillar of that franchise he is a major part to every one of their championships in the past 10 years i completely agree with that a, a good version like a, a maybe a modern day version of, of bill russell bill russell right? 100 okay knows his role except for the three-pointers that he continues to throw up sometimes <laughs> he's got to shoot them every once in a while he has to it's important for them it doesn't matter if they go in he has to shoot them I also feel that like, and again, I, I, I don't want to put value on, on anybody because Draymond Green is a very valuable player, but his paycheck at $27 million a year to me, that's his contract right now, seems extremely fair, very fair for what he brings to the table. I'm not sure. Aren't they in huge tax, uh, yeah. tax bracket right now? How do you yes. offer Draymond Green a max extension, Drew? Would you do it? No, <laughs> that was that was quick. I think a lot no. of Golden State Warrior fans. I, I asked Crompton about it too. And he's like, yep. "Yo, Draymond's tripping." Yeah, he, he had, and and this is something we talked about probably a few episodes ago uh, after the Warriors won it with their with their free agents and how they can try and keep as many people as possible and not have a full exodus and then a, and then a reentry of all these new guys. And I do think that really starts with Draymond. That's what I said on those podcast on that podcast uh, a couple of weeks back. And and look, I mean, it's not this is a business, right? So I'm not shocked that he and his representatives are going. I want a max, right? That's how negotiations work, right? You got to start. You got to start with the ultimate max, 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 so that you can negotiate down and still feel pretty happy with the results. 
Uh, so this is not, you know, I, I think this is mostly like a chess match than, than anything else. Uh, I do think Draymond wants as much money as possible. And I can't, I don't blame them for that. Not we don't blame, we don't blame any player Mm-mm. for wanting as much money as they can possibly get. There's only so many, there's only so many years and so many games you're going to get out of those legs. And it happens to everybody. I mean, other than LeBron and Tom Brady at this moment, those guys just keep going. But even them, those two guys will have a day where the knees and the legs or whatever it is, just don't, they don't do it like they did before. And so every, every professional athlete deserves to try and get as much money as they possibly can while they're still in their playing days. That being said, if he wants to stay in golden state, which now to your point is in question, mm-hmm. Because if he wants to stay in Golden State and he wants to be playing with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, he has to take less money. It, he can't get a max contract. He can't. And I think he is so much um, – Draymond is so focused on winning that he should understand that. And I think if he takes a strong look at what that will mean to the franchise, I do think he would accept less money than a max contract. But my guess is this is mostly about negotiations – start high and then we'll meet in the middle somewhere that feels right. Uh, but he, I know when Jalen Brunson's getting 20, mm. <laughs> 25 and Anthony Simon's getting 25, 27 sounds about right for, for Draymond green, but 40 does not. No, not at all. And I think, I think Golden State Warriors fans will say the same thing, but I'm, I'm a little more not necessarily concerned, but I'm more drawn to the, the bromance that, that him and Braun are having. Right. Yeah. Which is cool. It just looks like they're having a lot of fun uh, just from their history of like the finals and like all that stuff. And, yeah, you know, Draymond called LeBron a lot of things. And now now they're homies. Yeah. He punched uh, him in the nuts. Put, and got ejected. That, that, which was a change that whole series um, to having these quotes about my grandkids seeing me play with LeBron, the greatest athlete of all time and stuff. But I also if I'm Steph, I'm looking at it. I'm like, bro, you have it pretty nice here and you play you play yeah. with some pretty nice dudes right now. I think. When you're when you're fanboying a little bit too much to your opposition, it's it's it, first of all, it's kind of out of Draymond's character a little bit. Yeah. But I also feel like, I mean, he is new media now because we're not allowed to say anything. Guys that haven't played pro basketball can't say anything about basketball players. Um, I think he's been been working on his exit right with doing the stuff for TNT and then now starting the podcast and and now he's you know making hot takes creating his own hot takes to create his own kind of narrative right now. I don't know. I think it, I I think Draymond would be great on the Lakers. What a great player would be for LeBron to have Draymond on the team. That's not what the Lakers are looking for right now. You need shooting and whatnot, but trade Russ for him. You trade Russ for, I I would like that. I think Draymond would be great, but I would trade Russ for Draymond in a heartbeat. Yeah. But golden Uh, state ain't golden state ain't stupid. No, they're They're, not doing anything. They're not (laughs) stupid. No, no, they're, they're not. They're not buying that even for a hot second. Uh, it is interesting. I think, you know, something that that over the last two decades, really, uh, that I, I, I'm annoyed by. And I think a lot of the old heads also are annoyed by is like the lack of rivals and the lack of like real, you know, at least sports hatred. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't have to hate the guy as a person. But there should be some sports hatred. There should be some rivalries. Mm-hmm. You, you don't. I don't want to see Draymond and LeBron and, and, dancing and, and in a club. Them. Nobody. Could you imagine? Could you imagine <laughs> if you saw a video? If you're a Boston fan and you saw a video of Larry Bird and Byron Scott doing karaoke at some fucking bar, 
right? How pissed off would Kurt you Rambis, as a Lakers Kurt Rambis and Byron Scott and, and, and Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Just Kurt Rambis, Larry Bird. No. no, dude. No. And I so I think that part will always it, it always will surprise me when guys that are, are you know, supposed to be uh, in constant competition end up being really good friends. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem that they're friends. I don't mm-hmm. have a problem that it's the offseason and Draymond wants to hang out with Braun. That's fine. It is what it is. Uh, it is interesting, though. I will give you this, that they have become so tight so fast. It feels fast. You know what I'm saying? Like, because because of what it was, like, when, when Draymond punched him in the nuts, I have to assume that there was some animosity because Draymond probably felt like if he's on the floor, they win that championship, and LeBron stole that from them. But maybe, you know, over the years, they've decided that that is, you know, the the the, the greater thing is being – friends with one another and and i can i i I don't have i'm not going to be upset that they're buddies um but it is weird i'll be i'll you know like to your point it's strange and it feels odd and it does feel at times uh when he's praising lebron in this way it's a little slight a little backhanded slight to steph but he said athlete Mm -hmm. right he didn't Mm -hmm. say basketball player he didn't Mm -hmm. say shooter or anything like that and I think Draymond always reserves those words pretty carefully when talking about Steph and versus talking about LeBron. And look, dude, none of us, zero people, including Steph Curry, would be like, I think that I'm just as good as an athlete as LeBron James. Right. It's fucking horseshit. It's right. not even close. Yes. So in that respect, he's not saying anything that's not already obvious. That's true. But then going back to the last point we just said about chemistry and stuff, if I was a Laker fan, I'd rather see LeBron dancing in a club with AD or Russ and not somebody yeah. that just won the championship, you know, that that's on the Golden State Warriors. That's just another thing. But then I'm like, okay, well, Paul George's wedding was, was you know, a month ago and and Cat was there. You know what I mean? Carl Anthony Towns. Patrick Beverly was there. Well, th- former teammates is a different story. Yeah. Even if you were former teammates, if Draymond, I mean, I guess all-star games and I'm sure they played an Olympic USA. team together. USA yeah, team. team USA, I think. Right. Yeah. So anyways, I, I, like you said, I I'm totally for being friends with people off the court, yeah. but yes, the lack of, of rivalry is something, you know, that we miss. Yeah. And I, I think, I think something that puts perspective on this is like, I don't think Clay Thompson, for instance, would be caught dead doing this with LeBron. Mm-hmm. I don't think Clay has a problem with LeBron James, mm-hmm. but I just think he would be like, I'm good. And that's what we like. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least for me. And mm-hmm. I'm sure Warriors fans might feel the same way. But, you know, when it comes to LeBron, I think he's he's one of those mega mega stars that has all this reach. And I get I get why people want to be around it. I do. I get it. He's a fucking billionaire. Sounds like he's got some cool shit going on all the time. So I would I would hang. I would totally hang. But it, there is just that that disconnect between what we what we see on the floor and and the kind of mentality, especially from Draymond, who doesn't seem like he has many friends when he's on the court versus what's happening now, where he does seem like a fanboy of LeBron James, he's like, you know, leading the LeBron James fan club, which is weird. That's that's the whole point of this whole segment was to say that I think it's a little weird. That's yep. that's all. That's all I think. The dancing was a little weird, too. Just come on, man. Um, couple things going on right now, too, are these pro-am leagues. Yes. Uh, which were actually these are so fun and this is this is why i love that there's nothing going on in the offseason so they, they get a lot of coverage jamal yeah. Craw- jamal crawford's the crossover up in seattle which i got to be a part of a couple of years back with bram black um <clears throat> we're seeing 
Bones Highland went for like 60 last night. He put on a freaking show. Chet and Paolo are playing together at the crossover. They got the uh the the Memphis Pro-Am where players are coming into play. We got to see Trey and DeJounte and John Collins play together who looked scary. And yes, yep. a lot of these guys are going to look scary playing in a Pro-Am league. I get it. Jay dropping dropping 52 or whatever it was all over all over Paolo and all over Chet. Dude, my guy Hezzy, was awesome. My guy Hezzy God dropped 50 at the Drew the other day, which was pretty Malachi awesome. Flynn at Malachi the Drew. 70. Right? He had 50. Uh, well, that was last year. He dropped 70. Yesterday, he had 52 points in the Drew. No, I, I'm saying during this summer, he's had 70 again. I thought it was last year that he had 70. In the, in the he might have done it. He might have done it. I went to his, it twice. Man, I went to his top shot after that happened because he only has one moment, his rookie moment. I'm like, you know what? I'm buying this because somebody <laughs> might pick up Malachi this year just for shits and giggles because if this guy can score, he can score. So, yeah. um, and then DeJounte came out with a, with a really – with a really great tweet just saying, hey, guys, if you're healthy uh, and you want to hoop right now, get into these pro-am leagues so these kids and these people that can't afford to see us play get to see us play. And I just thought that was so spot on, and you should. If there's anything around you, get a chance. I mean, man, if you could see Trey Young play in a pa- in a packed gym, high school yeah. gym, or whatever it is, go there and watch these guys play. And you might be able – even Bones. Bones was playing in the hood. I don't even know what pro-am yeah. he was playing in last night. But the show he put on was phenomenal, and uh, it's awesome. I'm, I, I wish I, I wish I could go to more of them. I think it's crazy, man. Like this summer, the summer of 2022, I had it written down for this. I said this is the summer of the pro am. It feels like, and this is you know maybe this is COVID related, right? Like or you know bubble related. Like they didn't have a lot of off season activities like this available for the last three seasons. Right? We'll just call it three, and one of those. The playoffs was happening, so they definitely didn't have any time to do anything. And then the season started right up again. So I do think that there's a lot of like the the NBA players are finding the fun right now with basketball, right? Like a lot of times the NBA season is grueling and it's not very fun. Uh, You know, the games obviously will still be fun at times, but sometimes you just you lose that as an NBA player. And it's obvious you can see it sometimes on on players faces, their body language, you know, 82 game season long. It's a long damn season. I get it. But it is the best when you can see these guys go out and hoop, you know, just like you and I would at a, at a high school gym or at a local, you know, pickup run, wherever it might be in your local area. It is awesome. And seeing uh, seeing how much fun guys like Trey Young and DeJounte and John Collins were having out there and, you know, LeBron on our last episode, we were talking about LeBron being at the Drew and. So many guys have gone through the Drew League or that the crossover up there in, in Seattle and all over the country. It is awesome, but it is surprising to me, Clips, how many guys are getting out there. It's usually not. It's a little bit more quiet usually. You have a couple guys that pop up and, oh, I'll do this one over here or I'll do this one over there. But it is, it's so much fun to see all these guys. And, and social media is fantastic because without it, we wouldn't really be keyed into this stuff. So it, it's great going on, you know, these social social media pages and, and being like, damn, look at these highlights. And it just looks like a blast for everybody involved. Yeah. I think that's part of it too, is the exposure that they get. I mean, at the end of the day, man, every Hooper wants to hoop and they want to go to the best runs that are available. Right. And you're allowed, especially if you can go with your homies and play, you know, like I saw Trez was, I think, shit, I think he was playing down in Alabama today or, or yesterday. He's still it's- also he's in the drew also. I think he's on a team in the drew league as well. Right. You just want to go and you want to get, you know, you want to, I think you you miss that as an NBA player. You miss that 
um, intimate vibe of being in those small packed gyms where players are coming to watch you. You saw what happened at the drew when, when LeBron said he was going to pull up, you know, it's a, it's like getting a, it's like a fucking Prince concert, right? You, <laughs> you just got to get a ticket to go see this. Right. And if you're in Atlanta and you have an opportunity to see Trey young and John Collins and DeJounte play, then yeah, like I want to be there. That's where I want to be. I want to watch these guys. So big up to the pro-am. And I think like you said, like it's getting bigger. This is the summer of the pro-am maybe moving forward to next year and years uh, years later in the next coming years, uh, they'll be bigger and they'll be better. Um, but yeah, it's weird how like, no, none of these pros want to play in the summer pro league, but they definitely want to play in these pro-am leagues. Like none of these guys want to come play. Yeah, it is. I, I think it's funny too, because you know, the, all those guys that are in these pro-am runs were the ones that were sitting courtside during the summer league, right? right. They, they want to post flying for a game hit up a club and then get back out. And I don't blame them for that though, either, because there's coaching involved there. That's shit that they don't need to do. And mostly there's injuries that that can happen that they don't want. And obviously that can happen too in these programs. But part of the reason why we're seeing guys drop 40, 50, 60, 70 points in these is because there's not a lot of defense uh, or not a lot of intense defense at the very least, right? Not too many challenges. Nah. The rim, and you can be, good. You can be highly disrespectful. Did you see DeJounte? Oh. I mean, come, that is a disrespectful ass play. Bro, I don't know what I would have done if somebody did that to me. I'm telling you, if it's, I mean, DeJounte Murray doing it to you is one thing, but if that happens to me at the 24, that's hands. I'm throwing hands. Well, I'm you're not doing that shit. You're also speaking to a guy that used to love throwing it off people's foreheads, and I'm surprised you, I have. You never. did it like the normal one. Like the, you just bounce it off their head, like throw it off their head and have the ball come back to you. He right. pounded that dude's head like twice. No, and the, and the people that throw it off people's heads now are extremely violent with it. Like you could yeah, maybe break somebody's nose. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, I even saw my guy Hezzy God. I don't know if you saw it. He did it in the VBL. The, the ref League. threw it off the ref's head. <laughs> I hope he. I know that ref. I hope he told him prior because first of all, it's out of bounds, dog. It's an out yeah, of bounds. Ref play. was standing out of bounds. Can't, yeah, the point doesn't count. You can be highly disrespectful. Try out these street ball moves in these pro am games. So mm -hmm. I think it gives these guys a little more freedom. That's why Jamal puts one on every year. He does it so he can show his ridiculous ass moves that he does. Yes. I have never seen anybody do what DeJounte Murray did me, me either. to that defender. I have never seen it in my me entire either. life. Mm -mm. And uh, I, you know, shout out to that guy for just kind of rolling with the punches there. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is, uh, that's, that's not something I would suggest any other person try in a pickup game. <laughs> do not try this unless, unless you're a fighter, right? If you like to fight, okay, go ahead and give it a try. Uh, but you know, this is, will, this is, this is not going to go over very well. If anyone gives that a try, I will guarantee you that shit wouldn't have popped off in the drew. I will guarantee you that not one dude no that way. plays in the drew would let that happen. <laughs> no, maybe, way, homie, maybe homie was a little shocked. Like, did this guy just beat it on I, my head? I would have had, I, I would have been shocked. I don't know if I could have like understood what just happened. Uh, didn't marcus I, morris yeah. do something like that though like in the past couple years like marcus morris did something to that nature where he like he popped he he held the rock and popped it off some it, it turned into blows or whatnot like, I, think I think it was in wasn't it in an nba game where he yeah, tried it was, it was almost like a pump fake and it went right like he was trying to make a pump fake pass he pass hit it fake. purposely on homeboy's head right in the dome yeah, I think I, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but anyways, super disrespectful. If you can get to a game, get to a game. Hey, uh, Drew and I want to do something fun. Obviously, we got to 
come up with content during the summer. We'll obviously be talking about trade rumors and all this stuff. But Drew had an idea that I thought was going to be kind of fun. And we want you guys to be involved in this too. Whoever listens to the show, Drew's going to tell you the rules to this, this draft that we're going to do. And we kind of want to see who you come up with. So Drew, let them know what we're doing. Let them know mm. the rules. This is going to be fun. So coming off of the most recent draft where we saw Paolo, Chet, and Jabari get taken one, two, and three, while we were watching summer league games, I was thinking to myself, like, how, how would I compare these guys to the last top three picks of the previous drafts? Uh, so what I have proposed and, and clips and I are going to move forward with is we are going to draft the top three picks from the last six NBA drafts. Why are we choosing six drew? Well, these are the ones that we covered. So this is, this is goes back to the beginning of this, uh, show's birth, <laughs> which was draft night in 20, uh, 2017. Long, long time so ago. We're, we have six drafts. So 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22 was this last one with those three that I just mentioned. And we're going to only look at the top three picks in those drafts. And so what that means is you have the, the players that are going to be in this pool, it'll be 18 players. It'll be all one, two, and three for the last six seasons. And we're going to draft them the way that we think they would, they should be drafted as far as most talented to least talented. Uh, so potentially number one overall might be somebody like Luka Doncic, but I'll stop there because that's what we're going to do on the next show. And it'll be fun. I think the reason that I wanted to do it is I wanted to put some perspective on what we're going to see, what we saw out of Paolo Bancaro and Chet and Jabari in summer league and kind of see where they would go you know, even with that minimal amount of NBA experience, like zero technically regular season games, but the summer league experience and, and where they might fit in with some of these guys that were drafted six years ago, you know, Markel Fultz is on this list. I don't know where I would have him compared to Jabari or Chet or Paolo, something like that. Um, and this is going to be fun. I'm excited about it, but yes, like clip said, if you want to, if you want to join in on this, rank them, rank your top, picks all 18 guys that were drafted one two or three in the last six drafts and email us at clips at gmail.com uh, you can also email us for anything that you want as far as like any questions that you want answered on the show or things like that but it's clips and drew one word c-l-i-p-p-s the letter n and then drew d-r-e-w at gmail.com We'd love to see what you guys think and how they stack up against what we're going to end up doing. You can uh, DM it on Instagram too, if you'd like, if you don't want to oh, do yeah. that at the extra click to do the email, but send it to us. We'd like to see it. Uh, you got final thoughts for me, Drew. You know, I do uh, I, a quick correction mm -hmm. before jumping in. Phil Handy is an assistant for the Lakers still. Still. Okay. Uh, I thought he got of, picked up. No, he's a part of Darvin Ham's because there was a, there was a, a cleaning house <laughs> process mm -hmm. for Darvin Ham when he arrived. I think Phil was, might've been on the cut list, but it, he did sign with the Lakers. So he's a part of the, the, the assistant coach for, for the Lakers coaching staff. Thank you. Now, my final thought, Matthew Delavadova. He's back. Y'all is back in the fucking NBA, baby. I, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because Delhi, obviously an Australian cat, um, went to my brother's college. My brother went to St. Mary's in Moraga up in Northern California. And there's like a Australian pipeline that runs directly from Australia to Moraga. They have had so many recruits 
come out of there, including Patty Mills, also Australian, also went to St. Mary's. Like there is a lineage. I think Jock Landale, who's also in the NBA, went to St. Mary's. There's he just a, got just signed. A, he just got yeah, signed. <laughs> I think he's on Atlanta. Uh, if I'm not, it's either Atlanta or Phoenix. I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, Matthew Delvadova had, had <laughs> I just remember him clips as this really skinny kid. I think he used to wear number zero, if I'm not mistaken, at St. Mary's who was insane. He was, he was like the Patrick Beverly of the West coast conference. <laughs> he was all over the floor. He used to wear a mouth guard. He's one of the first guys I ever saw wear a mouth guard. And he, he played basketball. Like he was playing Australian rules football. Like this dude was in everyone's ass diving on the floor, throwing elbows. Uh, I really, I really appreciated him. And, and to, for him to have had the NBA career that he did, was something I would have never predicted. Got he, a chip. He ended up being, he, yeah, he ended up being a pretty freaking good NBA player with probably one of the least gifted athletically NBA players that we've seen. He was able to forge his way through just through effort. And he has recently signed with the Sacramento Kings and uh, probably the most crucial signing of the new regime <laughs> that Mike Brown was bringing in is Matty D. And I'm excited to see it. And that's my final thought. Oh, de- the, the, the Delhi and Davion Mitchell practices are just going to be great. Oh my God. I forgot think, about that. Yeah, dude. Oh. And uh, Delhi has been known. Uh, the reason why he got his deal in the NBA was from practice squads and just earning, like you said, earning his role because of effort. I mean, that guy practices like he plays and he is a tough son of a bitch, man. Uh, and I think him and Davion might, there might be some, some tension there. There might I mean, be. if I'm Mike Brown, I'm putting Davion and I'm putting Delhi on the same squad. Yeah, that'd be smart. They, that's one, two, and you're going up against De'Aaron Fox and whoever De'Aaron Fox is going to be in the best shape of his life by the time season rolls around. hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, my final thought has nothing. Well, it kind of has something to do with sports, but you know, on our little vac- the little vacation we just had, you know, I don't need to go anywhere because I live at a vacation spot. You know, I got the beach right out my front door. San Clemente is beautiful. So I've just been spending a lot of time, you know, at the beach, doing my walks, listening to my music. But I've also in this period that I have, since there is no basketball, I get to watch everything that I want to watch. Right. <laughs> and Drew, I have binged literally everything. OK, Better Call Saul did it. Atlanta <laughs> did it. Uh, freaking uh, uh midnight mass did it that one was weird like peep <laughs> that one out on netflix wild i did this other one called pieces of her that one was kind of cool i've just done everything i've ran through the whole 30 for 30 series once again i've oh, done the captain the captain's out you're Peter. taking away my shine drew oh shit bro that god damn it drew you just took away my shine all right I- I can cut it out. if No, you want. don't cut it out. Leave it in. We don't do that, Drew. Only on occasion do we cut it out. Anyways, went through. The, thanks, Drew. Uh, we went through the whole 30 for 30 series and uh, the captain is out. Shocking <laughs> on uh, ESPN plus. It is absolutely phenomenal. The oh, docu- so good. The documentary on Derek Jeter is absolutely phenomenal. I got our boy douchebag, John, who knows all everything about movies and everything. I hit him up like, yo, you watch the captain. I haven't yet. He started it that night. He's all, dude, this is wild. I'm like, wait till you get to the A-Rod part, man. Like, it, it yes. gets even better. But what a champ, man. Derek yeah. freaking Jeter. 
and and I some something that I that I was thinking of as our conversation was evolving about Bill Russell, Tom mm-hmm. Brady, like Jeter probably, you know, with Michael Jordan, you know, has to be included in one of the best all time team sports guys. Uh, and those are guys we didn't mention. But, uh, you know, our, the conversation had moved on. I was going to pop in and say Jeter, but now is a great time to do it. He's he's a great all time winner. I mean, like, damn, man, mm-hmm. he's winning going to the World Series every freaking year and more often than not winning championships it so, is like, so fun to watch that series and to get to know him way more than i ever like the going back to the kalamazoo or whatever the wherever the hell he was from in michigan mm-hmm. uh that is that stuff i didn't know i didn't know where i thought he was from new jersey i literally thought which we found out why i thought that his grandma mm-hmm. was from I, but i didn't know that he was a michigan kid and uh that's a that's got to be like one of the hardest places to come out of uh yeah you don't for, for baseball, bro, like it's such a cold, cold weather place that you, you probably just don't have too many, too many prospects coming out of that place. But, dude, so well done. The series is fantastic. I can't wait for the, each episode that's coming out. I kind of think that like that's just manifest destiny, dude. Growing up a Yankee fan, wearing Yankee jerseys, telling your coaches and your parents, I'm going to play second. I'm going to play shortstop for the Yankees. And then that happening and then also seeing that his approach to the game is just like we were you have to be different, man. Anybody that's great in sports or at anything, they you have to be different. And you could see in the way he he talks about relationships, players, his peers, like he's got that Michael Kobe thing involved. Like if you're not working hard, like you're not in my circle. And also to bring it to the Bill Russell thing, like. If you compare Derek and A-Rod, it's, it's like Russell and Chamberlain, right? Like A-Rod had the stats, was a much better player, right? Much better. It's, it, it's 100% sh- fact that A-Rod was a better player than Derek Jeter, um, but he wasn't a better teammate. And he knew, I think it had to have pissed A-Rod off just seeing Derek fucking win and win and win, right? And that's kind of like the Bill, like that was Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain was about the stats and wanting to look the coolest and, you know, look at me, me, me. That's why he threw shade on Derek, who's been his homie for a really long time. Wilt Chamberlain would throw shade at at Bill Russell the same way. But Jeter, like he said, in, in, in captain, like I would never do that stuff. I would never do that in the media. Like if I got an issue with you, I'm talking to you. And I think Bill Russell yeah. was the same way. But even if you yeah. don't like baseball, you got to watch well, the captain. Please watch it. It's so worth watching. And especially now that there isn't any basketball on, it's like the perfect time. ESPN did it really, really good job of releasing it during the dead days where there's nothing else other than baseball on. Mm-hmm. So and uh, it's very, very good. And it, it's something that you just touched on, though, is is interesting. And I something I also took away from watching the show is it's interesting how certain athletes strive for stardom and stardom finds other athletes, right? Like, you know, like A-Rod wanted so badly to be a star and was turned himself into a star. He was a hell of a, a, hell of a baseball player. But Derek Jeter never wanted to be a star. He wanted to be the shortstop for the Yankees and win a bunch of fucking World Series, right? And it's amazing how that happens. Sometimes stardom just finds the guy because that guy is doing exactly what he wants to be doing. He's working hard at it, and it's coming to fruition. Now, granted, a lot of lot a lot of people will say that Derek Jeter, to Alex Rodriguez's statements, was in the perfect situation, and 
it's not Jer- Derek Jeter's fault that he was in the perfect situation, but I, I will tell you what, it's definitely, it's not, it's not, it's not for lack of, of clutch plays that Derek Jeter made to make these world series come true. I mean, if you, if you go back and you watch this series, you'll see how many unbelievable Just hits clutch. and home runs and mm-hmm. defensive plays that he's making in the world series where, where everything matters the most. Uh, and so I, I, I'm, I'm fully on board with this. I'm probably, I'll probably watch it again, like fully all the way through again, once it's available for streaming all the way, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it live and I'll go back and watch it again. I love it. And I'm, I, I like Derek Jeter, bro. Yeah, I, I do like too. I, yeah. I do too. And like, come on, A-Rod, you played with a lot like Randy Johnson, Jay Buhner, Ken, Ken Griffey, Griffey, Edgar, <laughs> Edgar Martinez. Like you had a squad, dog. Yes. You had a yes. squad. Don't act like, don't act like Derek was just handed like this, this, I mean, dude, how many clutch play? You know what? I'm stopping with the baseball. We are not a freaking baseball podcast. I promise. Kelly got us in our feelings. He though, sure bro. did, man. We're <laughs> God dang it. We talked a lot about baseball in this one. I apologize, guys. <laughs> we promise next week there will be no baseball. Watch the captain. Even if you don't like the Yankees, Derek Jeter, another true freaking champion. We'll be back next week, y'all. So follow through with Clips and Drew. Season six, y'all. And we're ghosts. You know what it is?